So the reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it's on page 1153 of the Church Bibles. One Corinthians chapter 12. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, It would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, Every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, 
those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. This is the word of the Lord. I wonder if you can uh, relate to any of these comments. I've said them, or thought them, or heard them uh, all, and I wonder if you can relate. I am so exhausted. I wish there were more hours uh, in the day, more days in the week. I feel spiritually dry. My devotions are more dutiful than uh, a devotional, we could say. In fact, uh, I don't know the last time I had a daily devotion with the Lord. What about this? Work is impossible right now. I'm really struggling. I I don't have enough non-Christian friends in my life. I certainly don't invest in my Christian mates and my family as much as I want to. I come to church on Sundays, uh, but truth be told, I'd rather be elsewhere. Uh, I often don't understand what's being said or what we're singing. If I stopped coming, would anybody notice? At least I could crack on with some other things then. I've been doing the same task now for years in the church. Why doesn't anybody ever acknowledge that or just say thank you? Just a collection of of thoughts there, random in some ways. But I don't know if you can relate to any of those. So saying earlier, this morning is our final opportunity, for now at least, to consider what it means to be God's family, to be a congregation of of ministers uh, together, those who love and serve Jesus. I'm going to focus in on 1 Corinthians 12. And before we do that, and just thinking about the kind of church we are, I, I, I guess it would be fair to say that most of us would fit... Uh, into, into one of three or four categories when we're thinking about who we are and how we serve each other in, in the church family. Some of us um, maybe aren't serving at all at the moment in, 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 in any way. Uh, maybe you've just joined the church. Um, maybe this is your first time in St. John's this morning. If so, welcome. It's good to have you with us. Um, and, that, and, that's, and that's right, isn't it? Maybe you've been coming for a while, though, and for whatever reason... You've held back. You've held back from, from getting stuck in. Maybe you look around and you see other people doing loads of things that, you know, all look very busy and you think you're not needed. You don't think you have a part to play. You don't think that you're equipped enough to do that. You're skilled enough or you're not experienced enough. Maybe you can't serve at the moment. Um, maybe you're unable to and that's, and that's fine. But, but some of us are in this category. You know, some of us aren't, aren't serving. Some of us are involved. Some of us might be uh, quite heavily involved in church life. And if you'll just bear with me a a little bluntness, um, you know, maybe we're serving for the wrong reasons. Uh, Maybe we do our service more out of duty and frustration than we do out of love for Jesus, out of love for others, each other in, in the church here. 
and maybe you just sort of do that out of duty and because you sort of frankly tolerate <laughs> tolerate other people in the church more than we love them maybe some of us are in that category maybe some of us are using the gifts that god has given us to to serve others um, but actually, you can maybe relate a little bit more with some of the comments that I said at the start. You're exhausted. There just isn't enough time. You feel dry. You feel weary. Years of serving week in and week out is leaving you exhausted. That whole COVID experience, do you know, I just, it's all I can do just to come to church, actually. The heart is willing, but for whatever reason, the flesh has become weaker. And you're wondering if you have the strength to keep going. Life together, you know, just seems so much harder in that context, doesn't it, of doing, doing stuff together. And I don't know, whatever sort of category you may be in, there, there, there are other categories as well, I know, but, but broadly I think we probably fall into one of those three categories. Whichever group we're in, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 has good news for us this morning. So if, you, if you've got your Bibles, do open it up again uh, to, to 1 Corinthians 12 and, and let me pray for us before we go any further. Father, we long to understand what it means to be genuinely together as a church family and together for the Lord Jesus. Uh, and so I pray that you would help each one of us understand a little bit more about the implications of that for our lives as we read and look at 1 Corinthians 12 together. Please, Holy Spirit, do your work amongst us this morning. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me just remind you about 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is written by a chap called Paul. It's written by um, uh, Paul uh, after he'd spent time with, uh, with the Corinthian church. He'd, he'd helped to, to plant that church. He'd, he'd spent a lot of time with them. He'd worked there for months and months and months. Uh, and then he'd moved on. He'd moved on to Ephesus. And, uh, and while he was in Ephesus, he got, he got a report um, of things going a little bit wrong um, in, in, in the church in, in Corinth. And so partly this letter is written in, in response uh, to that. Uh, and it appears that, that, that uh, um, yeah, uh, that, that things weren't going smoothly in the, Corinthian, in the Corinthian church. So if you look at, actually, if you look at verse 17 of the previous chapter, if you go back to uh, chapter 11, it's just on the opposite page in the church Bibles. But he, he writes this, he says, this is verse 17 of chapter 11. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. I don't know, as a church leader, if someone was to say, say that about our meetings, our 8 o'clock service, our 10 o'clock service, the times we gather together as God's people, your meetings do more harm than good. I, 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 would, I would be, uh, be hurt if, if someone were to say that to me. Why did Paul say that? He said it because actually in that Corinthian church there was division. Um, you know, there, were, there was distortion of, of, of the truth. There was wrong motivation in the church. People were motivated by the wrong things. There was disorder in how they gathered and what they did when they, when they gathered. He's very big on, 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 a, on an orderly gathering. Doesn't necessarily mean formal, but it does mean ordered and thought through. Uh, there were issues of selfishness in that church. There was a lot to contend with and, and, and write about. And basically, Paul says, it's because people didn't understand the foundations 
of what it meant to be together for Jesus? Did they understand the foundations? Do we understand the foundations? This is the, a sort of our first of, of two main headings. Each of my two main headings have three sub-points. You'll see them. Um, they're written out on this little leaflet if you've got them um, on the inside page so you can follow through on there, but I'll also put them up on the screen. So foundations. At the start of chapter 12 then, Paul says this. This is verse 1. I do not want you to be ignorant. <laughs> Meetings do more harm than good, and by the way, I don't want you to be ignorant about why that's the case. It doesn't pull any punches, Paul. I do not want you to be ignorant. Who here wants to be ignorant? We don't want to be ignorant, do we? We don't want to be uninformed. We want to know what we need to know. So let's pay attention to what he's about to say. He gives us some, some key facts that we need to understand if we're going to avoid ignorance about what we do when we're together. So look down to, uh, to verse 4. In verse 4, he says this, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. First thing to notice here is that Paul is clearly uh, has in mind the Trinity. He clearly has in mind the, the Trinity. Same Spirit, verse 4. Same Lord, verse 5. Same God, i.e. Father, Verse 6, the Trinity. And uh, it's not a word we'll find in our Bibles, we know that. It's probably one of, uh, it is a truth though that we we learn about in our Bibles. It is how God reveals himself to to us to be. And it is probably one of the hardest things to to get our heads around actually. I think, I'm I'm not sure there's a, a more difficult doctrine to try and sort of grapple with. One God, three persons, how, how, is, how is that possible? We don't get it fully. But what we do know is this is who God really is. He is one God. But that one God lives and is expressed through the three persons of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Each person is fully God. And yet each person is also distinct from the other. So when God does anything, he does it through all three. All three people of the Trinity. God is a team. Each person does his own different work, each contributing his own part, each doing what is right and good for him to do. Paul starts here. He starts with our three in one God because he is our model. He is our example to follow. He is the one that we need to imitate in in everything that we do. And the way we relate is a reflection of what is true in God. We have different gifts. Um, They are designed by God, but they are to be used together as one team. So let me just read that as verses 4 to 6 again. I'll put the emphasis in a slightly different place. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Here's what our Trinitarian God does. He equips us with different gifts to serve each other in his power. Different gifts to serve each other in his power. Let's look at each of those in turn. Firstly, God equips us with different gifts. We don't just see this in verse 4, but also in verses 8 through to 11. So follow me through in 8 to 11. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge, 
by means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between the spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. In other words, God gives each one of us, each person in his church, different gifts. We don't get to pick. <laughs> They're not all the same. And this list is not exhaustive. It's not hierarchical. It's, it's not meant to be. It's just a representative sample. But the point is that God gives different people different gifts. Why? Why does he give us those different gifts? To serve each other. To serve each other. Different kinds of gifts, verse 4, mean different kinds of service. Verse 5. And if you look down to verse 7, you'll read that in each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? It's given for the common good. The common good. You see, your gift is not for you. It's for me. And my gift is not for me. It is for you. Our gifts are for the common good. And boy, do we need to be aware of the very strong temptation to use them otherwise for ourselves and for our own glory. See, some of the Corinthian Christians were using the gift of speaking in tongues to show everybody how super spiritual they were. That's what effectively they were doing. They were bigging themselves up. And Paul says, no, 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 don't. You don't do that. Don't. They're not for you. They're not to elevate you. They are for the common good. We could say that uh, they are given to help us to be the church and to fulfill our mission. They are given to help us to be the church together and to fulfill our mission. You do know that, don't you? That that basically once you become a Christian, you're on mission. (laughs) You're on mission. When you prayed the prayer, when you came to Christ, when you submitted to him, when you said, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to commit to following you, all my days. From that moment on, you are on mission. Your task, above pretty much anything else, is to make disciples. It's the last thing that Jesus told his disciples when he left. It's recorded in Matthew 20, 28. Jesus says, all authority in heaven on earth is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Trinitarian God again. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. To be a Christian is to be someone who obeys and follows Jesus by making disciples. A Christian is a disciple-making disciple, we could say. And that happens both in here... As you use your gifts for me, and I use my gifts for you, and it also happens out there as we use our gifts uh, together for people who aren't yet disciples. But we do all of this, thirdly, as a foundation, in his power. Look again at uh, verse 8. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. In other words, there are different kinds of activities that we do, but it's the same God who empowers them all, all of them in every one of us. He's the one at work. I find this really encouraging. God gives us our gifts. 
He gives us our gifts for a particular purpose. And then he promises us that he will give us the the power to use those gifts and to do it. Giving us all the energy and the help that we need. So, Paul says, don't be ignorant. These are the foundational truths we need to grasp. We've got different gifts to serve each other in his power. Okay, great. What is the implication of that for us here at St. John's? What's the implication for us? Again, I have three uh, subheadings. The first implication is this. You belong here. You belong here. Every one of you. Paul actually summarizes what he says uh, in much of chapter 12 uh, towards the end. If you go down to verse 27... Uh, you'll see that. Verse 27 of of chapter 12. It's the start of the the last sort of paragraph of that chapter. He says this, Now you, collectively we could say, are the body of Christ, and each one of you individually is part of it. You individually, you collectively. You belong here. You're part of the body. It's so important we get this. Together we are one body. Yes, we're all different parts, but we belong together. And the way that we regularly express that togetherness is here, on a Sunday. You belong here. It matters that you are here. It matters that each one of us are together here this morning. If a body is divided, if it is incomplete, if it is broken, if it is hurting, if a part of it is affected and it doesn't work, uh, then as it's supposed to do, does it? The whole body doesn't work if any one part of it is missing or incomplete or broken or hurting. So can I make a plea? You belong here, yes, but can I make a plea? Please, don't go missing. Be here. One of the most powerful things that we can do consistently for our own spiritual health But also for the health of the church family is simply to be with one another regularly and consistently. Be here when we meet on Sundays. If you're not part of a small group, a house group, jigsaw, koinonia, ladies fellowship, after eights, thirties to fifty, whatever it is. If you're not part of a small group, do something about it. Join a small group. Be there. If you already belong to a small group, be there when it meets. Be there when it meets to give encouragement, to get encouragement. And to pray, to pray with each other. Following Christ faithfully is tough. I'm sure we don't need to be reminded of that. So we all need all the help we can get. We need to look out for each other on Sundays. We need to look out for each other when we meet in small groups together. This is where you belong. Please don't go missing from the church family. And if you're in that category, maybe you're watching online at the moment and, and you've, you're, you've not come back post, post-COVID. If you've not come back to church because you think it's maybe easier to, to stay at home, then I know this is going to be difficult to hear, but we need you here. This is where you belong, in the church family. Look, we're not going to stop streaming, don't worry. <laughs> we're not going to stop doing that. I know for some it is a real lifeline, and we give thanks to God for the technology that allows us to do that. But the vast majority of us need to be here in church together, showing up, not just for ourselves, but for each, each other. So please don't go missing. 
Secondly, what's the second uh, thing on the implication of you belong here? Is that we need to treat each other like family. We need to treat each other like family. Perhaps I should caveat that, particularly when I think of how I treat my own family or you think about how you treat your family. We need to treat each other as families should treat each other. You know, if your, if your family is anything like mine, then I'm assuming you don't always get that right, do you? Um, but this is who we are. We are family. This is, this is the biblical teaching, the truth, the spiritual reality. We are family together. We all have the same heavenly father. We all have the same Lord and Savior and brother, Jesus. We are brothers and sisters together. So look around you. This is your family. No, seriously, look around you. Do, do just look around you. This is, this is your family. This is, this is family for us. Now, I'm sorry about that. There's not a lot you can do about it. <laughs> um, you know, you're, you're stuck with each other. But this is, this is who we are. The point is that um, functional families don't have superficial relationships, do they? They don't have superficial relationships. Things may go wrong. We may say words out of order sometimes and in the wrong way. But they're not superficial. Families matter. We're honest and truthful and real with each other. And families are deeply involved with each other. So if you see or if you notice someone withdrawing or someone is on their own, here's another plea. Don't tolerate it. Don't tolerate loneliness either for yourself or if you see it in someone else. We belong here. You belong here. We belong together. So reach out, call them, text, meet up, just get in touch, do whatever it is you need to do. If you notice something, don't think, oh, I'm sure someone else has noticed. Do do make that, that, that point of contact yourself. We are members of the same spiritual family. So that's our, our first implication, if you like. You belong here. We belong to each other. So don't go AWOL. You know, that's that, that phrase, absent without leave. <laughs> uh, not that you need to put in leave, obviously, but you, need, you, know, you know the phrase. But let's be here and let's look after each other. Second implication is this. You are intentionally different. You are intentionally different from the person sat next to you, in front of you, behind you. Intentionally. So having emphasized the unity of the body of Christ, Paul also stresses the diversity within it. If you have a look at verse 14, he says this, the body is not made up of one part, but many. And if you go down to verses uh, 19 and 20 as well, he says, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And and the point, if you like, about these many parts of the body, the hand, the foot, the eye, the ear, whatever it is, so on, is that they're all different, and so are our gifts. So are our gifts. Some of them are obvious. Some of them are really obvious. Some of them not so much. Some of them are large. Some of them are small. Some of them are external. Some of them are internal. Some of them are practical. Some of them are emotional or conversational. They're all different. And that's not just good, that is essential. It's essential. They're needed for different things for different purposes. Therefore, we need to realize that there is no place for feelings of inferiority. No place for us feeling inferior. Look at verses 15 and uh, 16. 
If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would, for that reason, it, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. Friends, if you have a, a voice in your head that says, do you know what, I don't have any gifts, I'm useless, I'm not needed here, I don't know why I'm, I'm, I'm here, please don't listen to that voice. Because that voice is a lie. According to God's word, that voice that says that is lying. Everybody has a role to play in God's family. And what matters is not the exact gift you have, whether that's preaching or baking or organizing or youth work or tidying or welcoming, whatever it is. In one sense, the nature actually of your gift is, is, is irrelevant. What matters is, are we playing our part? Whatever our gift is, are we playing our part? So there's no place for inferiority. And I'd also plead that you'd be content. Let's be content. Be content with the gifts uh, that we're given and be content with who God has made us to be. Because your gift of baking is no less important than my gift of preaching. And my gift of preaching is no more or less important than the gift of, of musicians that we have at the front of church. And their gift is no more or less important than those who faithfully lock up and clean up and hoover at the end of church. And their gift is no more or less important than those who are sitting on the, on the desk at the moment making sure that you can hear me okay or see me okay um, online. And so on and so on and so on. We need to be content with our gifts. Now, I anticipate a response that may have been building uh, for a few minutes now, and you may be saying, look, John, this is all well and good, all right? I, I, I hear where you're going, but I just don't know what my gifting is. And, and actually, you know, you're not really talking about the giftings that are, that, that are particularly mentioned, mentioned here. These all seem a, maybe a little bit more spiritual um, than, than some of the gifts that, that, that you're talking about. Well, if you've been thinking that, or you're thinking it now because I've <laughs> mentioned it and you're, you're wondering that, I've got a couple of things to say uh, in, in response. Firstly, don't forget that a spiritual gift is any ability that you have, literally any ability that you have, that can be used by God to serve the church and to grow his kingdom. Maybe you begin to see now why I asked you that question at the start. A spiritual gift is any ability that you have that can be used by God to, to grow the church and to encourage, um, encu sorry, to encourage the church and grow the kingdom. And as I've already said, Paul's list here and elsewhere, other, other lists elsewhere, they're not exhaustive. So that's the first thing I'd say. It's anything. Second thing I'd say in response is just this. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is, get stuck in. Just get stuck in. If you want to discover your spiritual gift, the best thing that you can do is just start doing something. <laughs> just start doing something. Just start serving somewhere. Just, just, just crack on. Uh, friends, there are no opportunity. Uh, there are no, uh, uh, la there's no lack of opportunities to serve, I think, in our church family here. Uh, here's some of uh, the things that I know about, some of the things we desperately need. Uh, I've just made a list of them here. Uh, we always need more cake, don't we? 
We always need more cake. Uh, We need more musicians. We need more welcomers. We need people who can't stop talking about Jesus. We need more people who will pray, uh, both uh, privately and at the front of our church. We need people with organizational skills and technical ability. We need graphic designers. We need people who will befriend others, people who would love to read the Bible with others one-to-one. We need folk who would help with a 14 to 18 Friday Night Live equivalent. We need people who can mend things and make things. We need uh, those who have time to deliver leaflets. We need those with the gift of making money and then giving that money away. You know, those are just some of the things I came up with very quickly. And uh, we've put together this, this, um, uh, this sort of short list in, in the booklet here. You can see it. There's a, there's a list of areas where we think sort of things are. Um, and um, I'd love you to have a look at that. There's probably way more opportunities than I've put on there that, that I don't know about. You may be gifted in an area that's not mentioned. That's absolutely fine. That's part of the point. And what I would encourage you to do is either talk to Mike or talk to myself about that. You know, there are initiatives that we are doing in this church now that we weren't doing as a, as a family a year ago, that we weren't doing pre-COVID. And that's good. You know, we don't know what exactly the Lord has in store for us to do as a church together. And it may be... You know, the gifting that you have can be used to help all of us. So there's the unknown to find about, out about as well. Every one of us, as I say, has a gift. And unless your gift is robbing a bank or something like that, the chances are that we need it and that it should be used. You know, we, we need each other's gifts. Look at verse 18 uh, again. Verse 18, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. You belong here, and you're here because it's just where God wants you to be. And he has uh, gifted you differently from the person next to you, and that is for a reason. And because it's for a reason, thirdly, you need the others. See, just like there's no space for feeling inferior in comparison to other people uh, who, who we might think are more important than us or have a better gift or whatever it might be, so there's no place for feeling superior either. No place for superiority. We get this in verse 21. Have a look down at uh, uh, verse 21. Uh, it says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary. On the contrary. Those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. We mustn't look down on those who can't do what we can do. Not least because we can't do the things that they can do. So we mustn't do that. We simply must get this, these points that you know, we, we, are, we are useless, if you like, on our own. We're useless. The polite version is we're ineffective on our own. <laughs> but actually the truth is we're useless. The head can't say to the feet, the feet can't say to the hand, the hand can't say to the leg, so on and so on and so on. You might think some people are are less important, but they are crucial. You might think that a particular gift cannot be used in a particular way, but it is essential for the whole body. This is the point Paul is laboring here. It's the parts that are weaker are indispensable, he says. The parts that we think are less honourable, we should treat with special honour, he says. Maybe you don't think you matter that much. Maybe you think that you haven't really got a contribution to make. 
according to these verses, you couldn't be more wrong. You do matter, and everyone has a part to play. Because if you need the others, then it's also true that the others finally need you. We need you. This may be a large church, relatively speaking, compared to most churches these days. But you are here because, according to God, you have a vital role to play. I just want to sort of divert a little bit, digress. I was reading this morning um, in, uh, at, the end of, at the end of Romans, Romans 16. If you want to just, just flick back a few pages to Romans 16, because I think actually providentially there's a beautiful description of this uh, in action by Paul, what it means to be the family. Those of you who know Romans, it's, it reads more like a, a, doctri- a sort of a doctrinal thesis than a letter to a church, but he gets personal at the end. And boy, does he get personal when he gets to chapter 16. Let me, just, let me just point out a few things in this chapter that occurred to me as I read it. Paul says, I commend to you, this is the start of chapter 16 of Romans, I commend to you our sister, there you go, family, Phoebe, probably not a Jew, probably an outsider brought into the church family. Phoebe, I commend our sister, a servant of the church, she's serving I ask you to receive her in a way worthy of the saints to to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been a great help to many people, including me. Who was she? Who were all of these people in chapter 16? We get 16 verses. We get over 30 people mentioned. All commended in some way. All mentioned in some way as being a worker or a servant or in Christ. All all just just beautiful descriptions. And the one that I I particularly... um, Uh, particularly was drawn to this morning, was down in, oh gosh, where is it? Um, (laughs) He talks of the one being his mother. Where is it? I've lost it. Verse verse 13. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, what a wonderful description, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Isn't that wonderful? This is the family of God, serving, working, being together. All of these names, we don't know anything about them, but here they are recorded in God's word. They're in the book of life. All of your names, maybe people in other churches, maybe people down through the years after us, they won't know who we are. But they're all, all your names are recorded in the book of life as we work together, doing God's work for him in this place, encouraging each other, building each other up, making a difference in our local community. So friends, you belong here, okay? You're intentionally different. You need the others. And... and if you would like to explore more, you know, what uh, a gifting you may have that you think is being unused, if you would like to explore more about how you could develop your gift, anything like that, please talk, as I say, to Mike or, my, or myself. We want to help you to play your part. Uh, we want to direct you, if necessary, to the right team. Uh, you can fill this in on here, so you can, um, there's a little pl- space on the back, you can write your name, uh, an email address, something that you want to write down on, in any of those areas, tear it off, give it back to me, or give it back to Mike. And, um, you know, let's just see where we go together as a church family for the Lord Jesus. Let me pray for us now. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would teach us, each one of us, these truths, that you would um, allow them to go deep into our core, that we would understand the foundation of what it means to, to, to serve you and how you have created us differently. Lord, help us to be hard-working in our serving of each other. Help us to be consistent, to be considerate in how we care for each other. Help us to look out for each other. Father, particularly for those who may be missing. 
We long to have them back in our church family. And so, Lord, may your grace, may your love, may your fellowship be with us all evermore. Amen.